This is the Enneagram 8 Podcast, and we're here to take you inside the armor. Lisa has been part of our Enneagram 8 story from the very beginning. She was one of our very first Instagram followers and has cheered us on from the very beginning. She really does give off a very protective maternal vibe that we now know is in part because of her self-preservation instinct. Lisa has always had a way of holding a line around us so that we feel like we are held by her, but she does so without pressing in to make sure that she is heard, that she is advising or telling us what to do. My mother was a self-preservation eight, and the beauty of this particular combination is how much agency these women give to other people, how much space they give without elbowing in. It's very much a holding and listening space that at first might not seem very eight, but actually is because the way they hold space is actually very powerful, even aggressive sometimes. The way they can hold space for the people they love and carve out space so that other people do not trample or hurt the people that they're trying to create a space for. Hey, ladies. Hey, it's going to be a little loud here. We're like in the middle of a April ice storm. There's snow and rain and ice pelting my windows. And thunder. And thunder. And That's <laughs> awful. Oh, my gosh. Oh, you can't even see out the window. There's like caked in like a centimeter or two centimeters of ice. Are you tired of the weather yet? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> I know Joe is. <laughs> Joe is like, bring on the snow. Yeah. Yeah. No, I am like done. Done, done, done. Vitamin D. Yes, Indeed. all the good things. Yeah. All right. Well, we know you super well, but they don't. <laughs> so how about you give us a little bit of a introduction? I'm Lisa. My tri-type is 852. My instinctual stacking is definitely S-P-S-O-S-X. So I don't know. What else can I say about myself? I'm eight wing seven, very adventurous, but definitely self-pres plays a part in how I do adventure. And you live in Texas? Yes, I live in Texas. Got through teaching exercise this morning, and it's a glorious 75 degrees outside and sunshine. Tell us more about what you do for work. I am a health and wellness coach. It's my second career. I used to do sales and marketing all my life till our kids left for college. And then I went back to college. So I work with women exclusively. I have a background in kinesiology, and I just love encouraging and journeying with women. That's what I do. And I've been doing it for 12, 13 years, and it's a lot of little mini miracles all the time. You have put words to a way that eights need to tap into their body that I have found so valuable. Mm -hmm. It's important because I think we call ourselves body types and yet can really miss our bodies in a weird way. And one of the things that you said was... um, what was it? Active stillness? Yes, active stillness. Yeah. And tell us what you mean by using that term active stillness. Meditation while walking, you know, like, I think eights have to move, like I cannot sit and meditate, you know, there's ways we can incorporate stillness, but it's more like a mindset or a soul presence. I think we're made to move. I have a hard time sitting still gave me permission. The moment I heard that term, I was like, that is me. And In a lot of faith circles, they highlight stillness as a virtue. And I'm like, but I can't. (laughs) 
I can't. I it's impossible. It really yes. is. It takes us away from ourselves, I think. Well, it locks me into my head. Yeah. yeah. Whereas when I'm moving, I'm yeah. into my spirit. Like, it is where I find like soul rest. That's where I'm the most peaceful is like it, walking through the forest. That's when my whole body rests. It's like all pieces of us are present at that yeah. time. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for that. And it just highlights the importance of an eight doing that kind of work. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. We'll start with just quotes and see what you resonate with and what you don't. So our first quote comes from the Enneagrammer and they say our Enneagram type is the strategy we use to meet the needs of our instinctual drives. So essentially it would be we create boundaries with force to meet the drive to protect our resources. Do you relate to that? I do to a degree. And it's definitely not force. It's just that protect resources to a degree. Do you like that word resources? I do. I always say I'm resourceful so I can become a resource to others. You know, I don't do this resourcefulness just for myself. I do it so I can be a resource to others. Yeah. So the reason we asked is we just interviewed another self-pres eight and he really didn't like the word because he associated it with sixishness, the fear of not having enough and hoarding. He preferred speaking of kind of like the machines he builds to meet his needs. So his preferred machine that he inputs into is his mind. And he says if he focuses on building up his mind, then he can get the resources through his cleverness or whatever. Oh, wow. That's so different. I wonder what his tri-type is. I'm 852. I think resourcefulness or stewardship, either one of those is definitely, yeah. Well, I think that you're saying you want to be a resource to others speaks a lot to the two in your tri-type, right? Right. Definitely. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad we asked because um, there'll be a bunch of self-pres that will relate to him and then a bunch that'll relate to you. And some of the descriptive words they use are conquer or intensity and control. Do you relate to those? No, I laughed when uh, (laughs) I wrote resourceful, generous, observant and aware. That's how I would describe a self-pres. That's how we observe you. Well, thank you. Yes. You're like a very watchful guardian. Guardian, that's the word, yeah. yeah. Thank you. When I was reading through this, I feel like I never do this for me. It's so that I can be a foundational resource for others, right? And I'm like a guide or a guardian, like you said. Mm -hmm. We're going to highlight right now the fact of your SX last your self-pres <laughs> S-O is driven outward and your two. Okay, so we're just going to say the two with the SX last means that it is outward oriented. The SX would pull you more into self-orientedness. So we're definitely hearing that with you, which is important to highlight. Yeah, SX is my blind spot for sure. Yeah, we'll get there. Okay, so there are all these superpowers that we want to kind of talk through that happen just instinctively when you have self-pres first. So the first one is physical well-being, which is that focus on your body itself and its well-being. So it could be health, diet, endurance, basically just the management system for your body. Yeah, you know, the crazy thing is when I read this, like one of my 
things as I always say, health is foundational. Health is our greatest wealth, right? If we don't have that, we're walking with a limp. But even as a kid, I was not even a junk food junkie or anything. I was always kind of health oriented. So when I read this, I cracked up. I was like, oh my gosh, I just instinctively have always been like health oriented. What are the thoughts and motivations behind that going through your head? So what does that get you? the wherewithal to be able to be resourceful, you know, like if you're not healthy, like that's foundational, but it also gives me a chance to be adventurous, to be strong, to be powerful, you know, just a a chance to use everything I have. Do you relate to wanting to fortify your body to avoid pain? in future, like kind of a pain avoidance, almost like a prep? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I love snow and skiing, but I won't go crazy skiing because I love to like run or walk in the forest more than anything and hike. Like those are my favorite three things. So I won't put myself at risk because I always say if I'm going to live to be 100, I want to be able to like move. Yeah. So I think about that risk reward. Very self-press. Yeah. (laughs) I've always already been in a skiing accident. And that's what I was like, okay, one accident. I had to have a little bit of surgery and stuff like that. And I was like, man, don't need that, you know, even though it's fun. So now I cross country and snowshoe instead. That's very in line. (laughs) Yes. When you travel, do you always ache to get home to your bed and your space? I love to travel and I love adventure and I don't think about home. But once I get home, it's like, oh, this feels so good, you know? Right. I was just curious. So the next superpower is called self-regulation and skills. So this is about like the basic tasks that are required to keep yourself in that healthy routine, preserving yourself. And it also includes gaining the skills that are necessary to do that. So maintaining those skills, adapting to new circumstances, things like that. Do you find that you're a skill gatherer, a skill perfecter? <laughs> oh, yes. And if not, <laughs> I will be resourceful and learn the skill. You know, yeah. it's, uh, we're doing an upstairs remodel and it's just like all of a sudden I become an interior decorator. What are some of the top skills that you have kind of identified as important for you to be able to get the resources you need in life? I'm sure it's changed over time, but. Oh my gosh, I guess flexibility, right? And just awareness are my two top skills, I would say. I'm a great cook. Um, (laughs) I don't know, because I love healthy food. Um, I just have a lot of flexibility and adaptability. So if I want to learn something, I'm not afraid to learn it. I love to learn. Maybe that's one of my best skills. So it's funny you say flexibility, because the people who I know in my life who are self-prez, are usually not the most flexible. They're not eights, though. They're not eights, but I just want to highlight that. I I just think it's interesting because a lot of the time in order to maintain, like you said, like whatever it is they need to be able to equip themselves with their resources or their strength, they won't move those things. Lamar, our last self-pres, he said, I do not enjoy a life of routine. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I hate routine. Yeah. Yeah. So it's routine. I have to call it ritual and I have to keep it fresh. Like I (laughs) change my routines with the dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just think that's really good to highlight for people because I think in a lot of the literature, right, with us eights reading self-pres and seeing like you're kind of regimented, you pushed back a lot about that when we started putting stuff out about this, right? Oh, and yeah. I think that's really important for eights to look at and recognize that it might look a little different for eights. 
Yeah, like the only thing I do that's the same all the time is move in the morning. Like that's it. Outside Your of routine that, is actually dynamism, right? It's like <laughs> the routine of not staying still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I really don't have a routine and I wish I could be more routine at times. I'm sure I get more done, but. Okay, so maybe we can say that with many types, self-pres is kind of the act of like, creating a boundary marker around the fortress but with an eight it's creating boundaries as you're moving as you're on the go the boundaries are not about your location they're more around you yourself as you're moving about in the world oh that is so good i'm very dynamic one of my favorite things is flow is my natural state i feel very much in flow how do you feel about the desire to be building things, to build something that will last? last? Yeah. Build a legacy. I always think about like, what am I going to leave behind, you know, to people as far as love, relationships, guidance, stuff like I do think about that a lot. So it's like building my life. Like, what do I want my story to tell? I do. Do you have words for that? Or is it too personal? <laughs> I'm asking as a SX talking to an SP. <laughs> oh my goodness. Words for that. I just, I think about all the people that have gone on before me and what their lives have meant to me. And, you know, I just am more intentional about connecting and maybe it's just increased my awareness the way I live. I don't know. The more I lose, the more I want to give, right? Mm-hmm. What is our legacy? I don't care about that personally. I care about right here, right now. I ponder it once in a while. It's just not something that sticks with me. Like I think, oh, I'd like to make sure that I'm remembered well or whatever. But you know what? I got things to do today. So well, that- you girls are younger too. That might be my age because this is it's just really in the last 10 years. Do I think this, you know, oh, interesting. Yeah. You just wait till you're 56. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I want to fortify my children in themselves, you know, yes. I suppose. So maybe that won't obviously reflect me so much as it enhances them. Right. But it's stuff that you're pouring into them. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas I definitely focus on what am I teaching my kids in terms of caring well for others, first and foremost. Very cool. I'm learning so much from you girls. (laughs) We're learning so much from you. Oh my goodness. It's been a mystery, this (laughs) (laughs) self-pres. Do you relate to having to keep your affairs in order and kind of being organized about finances and various compartments of your life? I'm super disorganized to a degree. (laughs) Like if you, you would see my desk right now, you would be going, Oh Lord, have mercy. But, um, (laughs) but do you know how much money is in your bank account? (laughs) Yeah, I do. I know that's it. Like I'm not for sure. I'm not like crazy structured in anything, but I have my finger on the button on everything kind of. Yeah, you're aware. You're just staying in the know. Super aware. Yeah. Well, why don't we like we'll move into the third superpower, which is foundations and resources, because that's where money comes in. And what I'm hearing you say is it's not a fixation for you, but you're aware. Exactly. Do you wrestle with the dichotomy of like, do I feel comfy or do I save money? I laughed at that because it just depends on the thing, right? It really does. That's a fine, tricky balance. Because I'm not a huge saver because like everything has a cost, right? Mm -hmm. Like making memories and traveling and doing all the things. Um, Oh, amen to that. I'm going to record that and play that for my husband over and over (laughs) because I say that to him all the time. 
when he brings up the cost. I'm like, yes, everything has a cost. And the cost might not be financial. It might be lost time with our kids or a lost opportunity. There's other costs that do not come in a dollar form. And he usually gets on board when I put it that way. But yes, we do have this conversation on a regular basis. (laughs) Oh, tell him to call me 100%. (laughs) Like, yeah, I'll back you up on that one for sure. Because it's just like, when we get to the end, we don't always wish we saved more money. It's like, we wish we would have lived more, you know, done more, had more memories. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So this probably extends to your actual physical home too, where you don't have that fortress mindset. Right. I love my home to be comfy for others. Like one of my spiritual gifts is hospitality, right? For social second. And like our parties are fun because my husband, his stacking is social, sexual, self-pres last. So together we throw the best parties. Everybody has fun. Yeah. All right. Well, let us know when the next one is. We just, I know. (laughs) Come on. I'm itching for a good party right now that I'm not throwing. So how do you feel about a focus on making things permanent and secure? I go straight to that. Nothing lasts forever. And maybe that's the spiritual piece of me. I live with open hands. Right. So uh, Lamar talked us through his process of getting to that point where he said that he learned when he was young that nothing is permanent or secure. So he stopped caring about that. But he did care. And then when he was young, something happened where it was ripped out from under him. And then that's when he said in this eight-ish way, I will never care again. Do you think that is part of your story? I guess I would say maybe this is why I had such a hard time when we first moved to Texas from Ohio. I was 12 and I struggled way more than my sister and brother did with the move you know, just feeling ripped out of a family and a unit and um, just everything. Yeah, I really struggled with grief as a 12 year old. You basically just said the same story he did. He learned at that point to never care again. It was so hard for me, so much more than anybody in my family. And yeah, I probably stopped caring. You know, that's why my teen years were so messy. But through healing and stuff like that, I mean, and my faith walk, I don't grasp on anything. Overall, I feel like that's a gift of our eight is to be able to kind of absorb the hurt and then be freer afterwards. We can do two things, right? Like we can actually become more fortified and actually stop learning new things, or we can absorb it and grow freer because we're now not afraid of that thing. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. A hundred percent, a thousand percent, actually. Like we value freedom anyway. It's a new monster you conquered. It doesn't scare you anymore. Right. I hear that in your voice. That is what you sound like as someone who's free of an old fear. I mean, totally. But it did take a lot of work for sure. And a lot of messy life. Yeah. (laughs) Lots of messiness. Yeah, that's true. Well, life is not a straight line. That's what I tell my 17 year old now all the time. Absolutely not. (laughs) And thank thank goodness for that. It is very adventurous. And that speaks to my adventure lover, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and we just grow. I think eights are always open, right? We're always open to grow and to learn and to move 
into something new and have compassion and understanding from behind too. Yeah. Expansiveness. Yeah. Yes. I love that word phrase. Do you relate to testing your endurance or your ability to maneuver in new situations and things like that? Yeah. I mean, I like to be expanded, you know, Um, I don't seek out a comfort zone all the time. The idea would be that there's like an inner motivation, even if you're not super conscious of it, to build endurance and to grow your skills. And it it is subconscious, but it is in service to self-protection. It just, you might not be conscious of that. And then in your case, it just gets spent on other people though. Like it just doesn't stop at you. That fits for sure. And that's where people might not resonate if you just stop at self-protection because you don't stop at self-protection. No, I go straight to service. John Lukovich has some things to say about being self-pres. So tell us kind of what you think of these things. He says that they have a preoccupation with autonomy. They don't want to have to answer to others and they aim to be self-reliant above all. I think um, it sounds harsh, but there's a lot of truth to that. As a kid, even my response to my parents would be like, you're not the boss of me, you know, kidding around. (laughs) But I mean, I really do value autonomy. I love people. But yeah, I don't get my energy from people. Did you say you're a servant heart? There's a safe separation, though, where you're not relying on them. You are serving them from a position of autonomy and you resist interconnectedness fundamentally. I do. So I do relate to that. Yeah, to a degree. Yeah, I, I don't have problems with crossing boundaries a lot. Into other people. But if they try to cross yours, you're like, ugh. Oh, yeah. That's where I'm like, oh, I fe- I'm feeling overtaken. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Does anyone ever accuse you of becoming sort of controlling about your sort of space? boundaries? Yeah. Your boundaries, your space, your time, your... Totally. This is what I see. People who aren't a boundary people to begin with, they confuse my boundaries with control. Like if, okay. if people are healthy, they don't think I'm like controlling. If people are unhealthy, they confuse boundaries with control. Yeah, because we've been learning that self-pres eights can teach eights about boundaries, actually, in an important way, because we think we're very boundary, but SX eights are not (laughs) at all. (laughs) And socials also give up their boundaries for the sake of other people in a way that can burn them. And we don't give ourselves permission because we think it's weak, but you give language to it not being weak at all. Yeah, it's so we can protect ourselves so we can there's a self-press. Yeah. Protect, protect so we can be a better connector or better leader. I also like how you sort of make it a them problem, not an us problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you're not boundaried, you'll see me as controlling. But if you're healthy and boundaried, <laughs> then I'm just got good boundaries, too. I like that. But it is true. The people when I have conflict with when they accuse me of being controlling, they typically don't understand that it's healthy. Have you ever had someone, though, go to you and like say, you're not letting me in. You're not letting me in. And the reason I ask is I have a self-pres eight cousin. I idolized her. And at some point I learned she's not like me. Like she's she's like me, but she's not like me. And there is a line that she won't let me cross. And my SX wanted to be closer to her and she wouldn't let me. And it really hurt. Oh, wow. Yeah, I have one person that is SX. And sometimes she'll say, sometimes you just like are so open and then all of a sudden you'll just close and like, you're so open and just engaging. And then all of a sudden it's like, you just like get nervous and you shut. 
How do you feel about that? It's such good feedback, right? Because I don't want to shut because there's so much richness in connection. I'm learning to be more aware when that happens. I love when people tell me that, right? She was my older cousin. So I didn't, you know, I didn't feel I had the power to tell this powerful idol. I worshipped that. But when we were older, I, I did finally tell her and she had no idea. Yeah, we don't know. But yeah. when we do learn, it's just like, Oh my gosh, thank you so much, right? Especially because it's coming from love, right? I was yeah. saying, but I want in. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's like the highest love of just yeah. one. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful. So yeah, that's a gift. So just to like highlight that that is something that comes up. Self-pres eights would be extra strong in a sensory way for those of us who want in because you've got that power behind you. So when you say no, we feel it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there is this like allure and this sense of welcome and and help. And then we feel the no, right? I have another question for you. Um, My sister-in-law, who's a five, uses this term. So I'm curious, but she's also self-pres five. Do you ever find yourself in a circumstance where you have unloaded on people or like talked a lot or let people in really deep? And then you have, she calls it vulnerability hangover. (laughs) vulnerability hangover that's funny I used to I used to but now I'm just like feeling like vulnerability is so important like that's where the connection is I'm intentionally try to be more vulnerable and do you find you have to be intentional about it I think that's an eight thing as a whole yeah yeah I do like you know I can live on the surface and get surface stuff or I can be more intentional because it doesn't come naturally for me that's where the good stuff is to provoke power struggles related to carving out your own way of life. So getting into skirmishes. <laughs> <laughs> I love a good fight to a degree, but, but you know, it's, it depends on the why behind it. If they're pressing on your boundary. Especially if it's uh, being misunderstood. That drives me crazy. Yeah. Do you ever find you do it preemptively? Like you assume someone is going to push one of your boundaries. So you come in heavy and hot. I used to. <laughs> I used to, but this is, you're talking to somebody who's been through uh, lots of growth, but I used to almost look for it. And was it a way of making sure that everyone knew you had boundaries and they weren't going to cross them? Yeah. When I first learned about boundaries and started setting them very awkward and very like big walls versus, you know, what boundaries are really like. So yeah. yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So do it for the gram. He is a self-pres seven. So it's a little different, but his insights on being a self-pres aggressive type anyway, is that he's aware that he can have self-contained body language. And we see that in you. Oh, totally. And it's funny. I wish I could be different. I wrote down, I'm high spirited, but I don't always feel free spirited. Meaning like, you know, some, some of you sexuals and socials, you can get on the dance floor like quickly, especially sexuals. And you are like so good out there. And then I will get there because I love it, but I don't feel as free. There is a safety to you though. I was just going to say that. Like I said, there is this maternal thing about you because you're self-contained. It's like if she's self-contained, she'll contain my secrets. I am the biggest secret keeper in the world. That is true. Whereas you you look at an SX who's spilling everywhere. They're going to spill you too. (laughs) You know what I mean? So we're good for some things, but I just want you to hear that that's definitely what we see for you. The mom. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it's more of that like safe place to land. 
That's what I am. And tonight, you know, I have this Bible study group of about 25 different women in different faiths and everything. That's what I always say. What happens in here stays in here. This is a safe place to land and no prayer request gossip ever. Like if you leave and I hear about this, you're out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> boundaries. Yeah, you'd be so good at that. Sometimes I'm afraid I come across too strong, but like if somebody really needs that safe place, it's so important to give it, right? Oh yeah, that's what you're made for. Do you have a small inner circle? I do have a small inner circle. I have thousands of acquaintances and tens of friends. And who makes the cut? What are some of those characteristics that allowed them to kind of get in there? Trust and safety, for sure. And alignment, you know, values and um, all that good stuff. But definitely trust and willingness to grow. And they probably never betrayed a boundary of yours. No, no. They would see your boundaries and honor them. And it wouldn't be offensive. And Totally. Like we value each other in a huge way. And then when they honor your boundary, you probably loosen it over time, right? But they have Always. to honor it first. Right. And that's how you build trust. Yes. And this is where an SX can go wrong with you guys. And I've learned the hard way is I compulsively push and push and push on the boundary because I'm like, why are you letting me in? And that just makes the boundary go up harder. If I'm not careful, it's important to recognize the the gift of that anyway. So going forward into your middle instinct, which is social, do you find that you're able to tap in and out of it? Like you can take on the group when you need to, but you can excuse yourself and not take it on when you don't want to? 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us more just about how social works in your life. It's so strong for me, right? Usually when you meet me, you meet my bodyguard. That's the self-press. But then I immediately go to social and I live in social probably 85% of the time, but I don't take it on. Like it doesn't drain me or anything because I guess I have my reserves, my resources that fill me up when I'm through. Well, and it doesn't consume you, right? Like for me, it consumes me. It's like my body, it's like breathing. So if there's something that's pulling me towards it, to turn it off is really intentional. And again, like in all growth, and just like you've talked about, I now have access to that. But in the past, I wouldn't. And therefore, I'm just constantly involved in everything and not able to take it and leave it. That's how shit gets done. Excuse me. But you know, I'm just (laughs) sitting here thinking about how beautiful sitting here talking to social, sexual and self-pressed, like together, we could take on the world, right? Yeah. Oh, so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm curious if you have that same pool gift Aaron has to discern the room. I do. I'm good at reading energy, reading the room, just getting a vibe. I I can do that. I definitely feel that with you. And I, for our listeners, Lisa's part of our Sneagram community group. And when we go on Zoom calls, Lisa, I always find it super reassuring to have you on the call because there's so many sexuals in our group. And you <laughs> help me read the room like you interject when it needs to happen. And that takes a load off me, whereas I can see someone's uncomfortable, but I know you see it, too. And that is so helpful. See, I don't even think about that. See, that's where you're social. You're feeling that. Yeah, I'm feeling all of it. But I know that you're there. So it's just like an extra layer of like ease for me when you're in the zoom call. (laughs) 
I didn't even think about that. I you love do- our Zoom calls. They're the best. Yeah. You do it way more quietly than Aaron, though. Yes. <laughs> You're much more gentle. Oh, I'm not sure about that. But... I know you are. And we need both, right? Like we do need, I got to turn the page when the page needs to be turned. But when it needs to be done with this gentle space, you've, you've got it. It is a superpower you have, too. And I... I think there's something really envious in me of people who have that social second and are able to tap in and out sometimes. Okay, so then your blind spot, and we did touch on this just a few minutes ago, but um, what does it mean to have sexual lust? And please be honest, like, what is it about it that feels repulsive almost (laughs) or like too much or um, not helpful? No, I think it's so cool. Actually, I wish I could had it more like I wish I had that energy more. I really do. Because there's so much just connection. And it's such a superpower. I just somehow didn't get gifted with it. <laughs> and I I wish, you know, like when, like I said, when I'm sitting there at a party and I love parties and then I just going out to the dance floor, you can immediately tell who the sexuals are. And I'm like, man, I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. I wish I was. Yeah. So have you ever gone though, to actually try and tap into it? And it felt like a risk, like you had to give up something. It felt awkward. Yeah. Because the protection piece, like kind of, yeah, it does. It feels awkward. It's a growth spot, right? Yeah. We kind of imagine that for a self-pres first with SX last, it makes you stand out in a way that you don't usually want to do. And it is pulling really, really deeply and intensely in areas that might blur boundaries. And so that feels risky. Yeah, that sounds right. Because you wouldn't want someone pushing on your boundaries. So why would you want to be someone that pushes on other people's boundaries? Ah, that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. And those sexuals want you pushing on their boundaries. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, man. I'm giving you permission to push on my boundaries. <laughs> okay, good to know. I'm and Joe will feel loved by it. Yeah, because essentially, like, if someone is, I perceive as um, not willing, I'm like, you're not very curious, or you don't care enough to come closer or something. Yeah. I'm like, come at me, bro. Okay. <laughs> okay. It was just fun to sit and talk with you two. You girls have created such a great space and community and so glad you did. Thank you. It means a lot that you've kind of been there the whole time and cheerleading and whatnot. That's it for today. We hope by now you've realized there's a lot more going on under the surface and you'll continue to follow along as we take you inside the armor. (laughs) 